0: There's something special about gathering together with the family of God in this time, in this place, and hearing—my my favorite thing is when we did uh, Blessed Assurance and that last chorus, and there's no instruments, and I just hear everyone else singing out together, just praising God, Blessed Assurance, Jesus is mine. That is just—I ah, love it. There's just nothing better. Oh, sorry. Uh, sorry. <laughs> Me, uh, hello? <laughs> Must not have been important. Um, I'll go ahead and silence that. Uh, I'm sorry. You, know, you guys know how it goes. I mean, sometimes it's just been a busy morning. And, and I mean, phones are very intrusive. You know, I, I do love my phone, but I also am reminded of, uh, you know, I am what they call an old soul. I pine for the days when we had a home phone with an answering machine and uh, if you wanted to get a hold of me, you had to call and leave a message, and then I'd get back to you when I could. It's one of those things that we don't see much anymore. And I don't know about you guys, but I feel like there's this obligation. When somebody calls, you almost feel like you have to answer right away. Like you're being rude if you don't, and you're available. You know, Or if you're the person that is calling and they don't answer, you're like, wow, are they ditching me? Like they really couldn't pick up Michael like we have become so indoctrinated into this need to to pick up right away and it's been so annoying oh it's doing it again hello see that one came through my iPad um I silenced the phone but not the iPad and and you know how connected everything is when when you silence one, it doesn't necessarily silence the other. But that way, if I have my tablet with me, wherever I am in the house, I can still answer the phone. Uh, you know, if I'm, I could leave my phone here at the church and I could run home for lunch. And if I have my tablet with me, I get to answer the phone. But this is kind of the heart of the issue, is that we are distracted. We are surrounded by noise. Every corner is noise, distractions, diversions, and things that hold us back from God. Now, I know the phone calls were funny or not, uh, but that being said, we are just the least distracted by our phones. We're surrounded by a world that is trying to pull our attention with everything that it has. We are, they, they actually do studies. I was looking this up as I was, as I was researching this they will sit people in front of computer monitors and they'll have a camera watching them and they'll show them an advertisement and they will track their eyes with where they look first at the advertisement. And that way they can make perfect ads that catch your attention in just the right way. So think about that. The next time you look at an advertisement and the first thing your eye goes to, know that there was like 50 people in front of a computer looking at different versions and that was the most popular one that drew attention the most. Right? Media bombards us with headlines. I don't know how many a day we get and they are so over the top. And then half of them are fake, right? Half of the headlines, they're like really dramatic headlines. You read halfway through the article and you realize they just misquoted somebody halfway through and that's the headline, right? So they could just use that, text, that quote out of context. It's so frustrating. Oh, hey, I, I just got a text message. Uh, hi, Riley. Uh, isn't it distracting? Isn't it kind of annoying how... Oh, I love you too. How technology surrounds us from our phones to our computers to our cars, interactive billboards, smart devices, pinging and dinging. I don't know if you guys could hear that when it dinged at me. I silenced it now for real this time. But that is one of the issues we have is we are surrounded by noise and distraction. I was looking into this nature designer... His name was Bernie Krauss. and he's the kind of guy that's hired by movie professionals and by museums to record nature sounds. I didn't know this was a job. I want it. Um, but what he does is he just goes out into the woods and records sound. And this is a quote from him. When I began recording over four decades ago, I could record for 10 hours and capture one hour of usable material. Fully 50% of my archive comes from habitats so radically altered that they are altogether silent or can no longer be heard in their original form. Now, it can take 1,000 hours of recording to get one hour of usable material of the quality needed for a film soundtrack or museum exhibit. 1,000 hours! See, this noise is all around us. It surrounds us, noise and distractions. And in top of that, we have voices, right? Because I don't know about you guys, how many of you guys have had kids before? All right, so I, I, most, of, most hands are going up. As you have kids, if one person is in the car and starts to get louder and another kid wants to be heard, does he wait for the other child to stop or does he talk louder? And then it begins this battle of loud voices until you have children screaming in the back of the car, Mommy, Daddy. That's the way the world is working today where we have volume that is gradually increasing all around us trying to fight for our attention, getting louder and louder and louder. Think about this, when was the last time you had an entire conversation with someone where you did not look at your phone, hear your TV, a smart device, or any interruption of any kind? When was the last time that happened, no interruptions? Riley, are you watching the football game again? We have distractions around every corner. We have voices that are trying so hard to get our attention. Facebook wants to get our attention. You know, uh, they actually spend millions, literal millions of dollars advertising, figuring out how can I get people to scroll just one more time, just one more time. There's actually a term for this. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced this. You don't want to be on Facebook, but you're not really have anything better to do. And so you just keep scrolling. They call it doom scrolling, where I keep scrolling even though I don't really want to, but my brain's getting little hits of serotonin, so I can't stop. I have to keep scrolling, keep scrolling, keep scrolling. Facebook spends millions of dollars so that you will keep scrolling. Their voices just, hey, pay attention to me. Hey, pay attention to me. On top of that, we have so many directions. Right? So these aren't just voices, they're also directions. Right? People trying to tell us what to do or how to live. Uh, I wanted to try this as an example, so I'm going to do one. Hey Siri, what's the weather like today? It's currently clear and 61 degrees. Today's high will be 72 degrees, and the low will be 48 degrees. Boy, well, that was neat. Right, I, can, I can just ask and get any information. Uh, let's see if this works. Hey, Google, how many cups are in 12 ounces? Good job. You all have your phones silenced. At home, mine went off, right? Or, hey, Alexa. Less phones, but more if you're in a home and somebody says, hey, Alexa, and suddenly, you know, every device in your house goes off. Right. Um, or we look for directions online, oh, my cat scratched me. It's, mm, I wonder if this is infected. I'm going to go check WebMD and look at 37 other pictures of people who have been scratched by their cats. Uh, mm, no, that's not a type 2 lymphomatic, you know. you know. It's like, I have cancer. And you get to the doctor, they're like, you have a cat scratch, dude. Calm down. But an infection isn't the only thing I can look up on WebMD. There were some statistics on noise, specifically, and anxiety. A 10 decibel increase in aircraft noise was associated with a 28% increase in anxiety medication use. Another study found that people living in areas with more road noise were 25% more likely to develop symptoms of depression. Since 2019, About 33% of people report feeling extreme stress. 77% of people experience stress that affects their physical health. 73% of people have stress that impacts their mental health. And 48% of people have trouble sleeping because of stress. This is the problem, folks. We live in a world that is louder and louder and louder and is vying for our attention, with voices everywhere talking to us, saying, talk to me, listen to me, I want to be a part, I want your attention. And we are surrounded by distraction and noise. As we are continually surrounded by this noise, as it increases and increases, literally our anxiety increases with the volume of noise. This is a problem not just for people in general, although it is a problem for everyone, but also for Christians specifically. Now, that's not to say that we are, you know, more susceptible to noise than non-Christians. You know, we uh, physically have weaker ears or something. Although after some Sundays, I wonder, with the volume of the speakers. But we have to hear the voice of God. It's a bit of a problem when we are living in a world surrounded by noise And distraction. One of my favorite stories about who God is is from the book of 1 Kings. It's the story of Elijah. Now, Elijah had just finished killing all of the prophets of Baal. This is kind of one of those more gory tales. And the queen, um, she is Jezebel, yeah, is uh, chasing and has sent men after Elijah. And so Elijah is hiding out in a cave, sleeping. And God speaks to Elijah in that moment. It's First Kings nineteen eleven through 13. Uh, oh, hey, Doug, thanks for liking my post. Uh, no, this is the last one. <laughs> Doug's looking at me like, what? I didn't like anything. This is another good example of how hard it is, even on our phones, which are so convenient, but even to read the word on our phones, how easy it is to just be distracted, to get that one pop up. This is the last one, I promise. We're actually going to read 1 Kings 19 11 through 13. It says, The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. Look, the Lord is ready to pass by. A very powerful wind went before the Lord, digging into the mountain and causing landslides, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the windstorm, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. After the fire, there was a soft whisper. When Elijah heard it, he covered his face with his robe and went out and stood at the entrance to the cave. Suddenly, a voice asked him, why are you here, Elijah? See, I love this story because God was not in the fire. God wasn't in the earthquakes or the wind or the landslide. He was in the Kol Damama ka. In Hebrew, it is the soft, silent whisper, the sound of a small whisper, or in some translations, the still, small voice. It's where we actually get the still, small voice of God is from this scripture right here Kol Damama Daka. I love this image of God, right? He is huge and mighty and wonderful and powerful. He's able to command the wind so strong that it rents the earth. He's able to command the earth into quaking and fire to fall from heaven. But God isn't in any of those things. He is over those things. And all it takes is a whisper. That still, small voice But here's where we run into some problems. If God is a still small voice, are we listening? Church, it's so easy for us to get caught up in the things of this world and to never stop to think about the things that God has for us. It isn't even really intentional. Right? We live in a world that is so inundated with noise and distraction everywhere from the left and to the right. We have news, podcasts, music, books, conversations, friends, family members. Everybody wants our attention, but so does God. He wants our attention and is waiting for us, but we are surrounded by so much noise and so many distractions that we cannot hear the whisper of his voice. Church, we crave revival. We desire direction from God. We want to hear the things that we have for, excuse me, we want to hear the things that he has for us. And yet, are we listening for a whisper? See, we have four things, biblically, that we must do as body members of Christ. Number one, we have to purposefully seek solitude. See, we struggle because we are surrounded by noise and distraction. And God says, I want to surround you. But if we are choosing to surround ourselves with the things of this world, God says, fine, if that's what you want, I'm here. I'm ready to surround you. The dictionary defines solitude as the quality or state of being alone or remote from society. In short, it means that we have to go somewhere away from everybody else. Away from distraction, away from noise, away from the things of this world, and be alone. We see this idea throughout the Bible, but one of the most clear pictures is in the life of Moses. See, Moses sought solitude after he killed the Egyptian that was persecuting the Israelite. He sought so much solitude that he ran to the other side of the desert. There he met his father-in-law, and he became a shepherd. And after getting married, he fled from his wife to the other side of the desert. We see this in Exodus 3, 1 through 2. It says, now Moses was shepherding the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the far side of the desert. And there he came to the mountain of God, Horeb. The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire from within a bush. And he looked at the bush, which was ablaze with fire, but it was not being consumed. See, this is the perfect example of seeking external solitude and finding God. This is a theme we see throughout the Bible, but this is my favorite example, is Moses ran so far from the problems and distractions of this world. Now, he was not necessarily seeking God when he ran, but he encountered solitude. He was alone in the desert, and he encountered God because God was waiting for a man in solitude. I was talking about this uh, with uh, our elder Sam earlier this week, and he was telling me how much he enjoys going out into the woods and just taking a Bible and praying And reading his Bible and listening to the Lord. And he doesn't get to do it often, but he cherishes those times of solitude with God, of allowing everything of the world to slip away and just being in the presence of the Father. I I love, um, when I was in college in Cheney, I had this example of this external solitude. It was one of my favorite times, one of my best memories. So Cheney is an odd town. If you've ever been there, uh, there's a road that goes around the back side of the town. And especially at night, it's it's such an interesting experience because if you stand in the middle of the road, in the middle of the night, on the left-hand side, you have Cheney. And you have all of the light and noise and sound of a busy college town. And on the left-hand side is utter darkness. It is just pitch black. See you have the town of chini and then you have rolling fields of wheat and at night it is pitch black you cannot see a thing and so it's so odd to stand and see things and people and movement and noise and then nothing one of my favorite things to do is get in my car and drive outside of town on this little road that would wind through the fields and then I would turn off onto this dirt road that went in between two fields and I would drive a ways and then I would just stop in the middle of the road and park and I would just listen to the sound of silence as the wind would just blow through the wheat and I could sit In silence, that solitude, that peace that comes from being truly alone, not surrounded by noise, not surrounded by people, but alone. But external solitude isn't enough. See, I wasn't purposefully seeking solitude at this point in my life. I wasn't going out there to be alone with God. I was just going out there for quiet. And unfortunately, as much quiet as there was around me, inside of me, was filled with noise. Not only do we have to have external solitude, but we have to have internal solitude. And we see this clearly in the life of Jesus. You see, Jesus went into the wilderness at the very start of his ministry and spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in silence. And then what happened? He was tempted by Satan. Matthew 4, 1 through 11. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After he fasted 40 days and 40 nights, he was famished. And the tempter came to him and said, If you're the Son of God, command these stones to become bread. But he answered, It is written, Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. And he said... If you are the Son of God, just throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and with their hands they will lift you up, so that you will not even strike your foot. Jesus said to him, Once again it is written, You are not to put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their grandeur. And he said to him, I will give you all these things if you just throw yourself at the ground and worship me. And then Jesus said, go away, Satan, for it is written, you are to worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And then the devil left, and the angels came and began ministering to his needs. See, when I read this, I always picture Satan doing his best to mimic God. That is why he is the great deceiver. It wasn't Satan being loud and bombastic. Well, you should command these stones to become bread. It was after 40 days and 40 nights. Satan's like, Boy, you're hungry, Jesus, aren't you? Why don't you just uh, turn that stone into bread? What harm's it going to do? You could eat some bread. You're hungry. He takes him up to the, the tallest part of the, the temple and says, Aren't you sick and tired of these people doubting who you are? All you'd have to do is jump, the angels will catch you. It's all good. Everyone will know you're God. It wasn't a loud thing. He took him up to the highest. Highest mountain peak, showed him the whole world and said, Jesus, I'll make you a deal. You bow down and worship me, and I'll give you all of this. It was that small voice that we have, that doubt, that temptation in the back of our minds when we're alone that separates us and distracts us from God. But Jesus gave us the perfect example. He combated it with Scripture. For it is said that man does not live by bread alone, but by all the words that come from the mouth of the Father. You shall not test the Lord your God, and you shall worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Be gone from me, Satan. And then Satan left. See, Jesus modeled this internal solitude and the external solitude that we are to have. We can be surrounded by the things of this world, Or we can give it up and allow God to surround us. I know that I would rather be surrounded by God. Because I want to know that no matter what the devil will throw at me, I am at peace. I am alone with my Father in heaven. And there is nothing that can move me from his presence. I thank God for his voice. And so the second thing we must do, number one, was seek solitude. Number two is purposefully listen for God's voice. This time we spend in solitude isn't just sitting. right? Sometimes it's really easy, especially when you're a little bit younger, to get bored really quickly. And so you're like, okay, I'm, I'm alone, I'm quiet. Alright, that was great. Let's go on and uh, do something else now. But the point isn't waiting, the point isn't sitting, the point isn't just the solitude, it's purposefully listening for the voice of God. We, we have to remember that that internal and external solitude is important because God's voice isn't in the wind, it isn't in the earthquake, it isn't in the fire, it's a whisper. The solitude is the starting place. But then we have to expect to hear the voice of God. We see this again in the book of 1 Samuel 3, 1 through 11. Now the boy Samuel continued serving the Lord under Eli's supervision, receiving a message from the Lord that was rare in those days. Revelatory visions were infrequent. Eli's eyes had begun to fail so that he was unable to see well. At that time, he was lying down in his place, and the lamp of God had not yet been extinguished. Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord as well, and the ark of God was also there. The Lord called to Samuel, and he replied, Here, here I am. And then he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I, I didn't call you. Go back and lie down. So he went back and lay down. The Lord again called Samuel. So Samuel got up and went to Eli, and he said, Here I am, for you called me. But Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The Lord's messages had not yet been revealed to him. And then the Lord called Samuel a third time. So he got up and went to Eli and said, here I am, for you called me. Then Eli realized that it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So Eli said to Samuel, go back and lie down. When he calls to you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went back and lay down in his place. Then the Lord came and stood nearby, calling as he had previously done. Samuel, Samuel. Samuel replied, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. And then the Lord said to Samuel, look, I am about to do something in Israel. When anyone hears about it, both of their ears will tingle. Can't you just picture, especially if you're like a grandparent, All right, you're lying in bed, Samuel was lying in bed. You've got grandkids, they're sleeping on the other end of the house. I just picture my grandma's house and and I'm laying in bed and I hear, Ed, Ed, and I run over to grandma's room. Grandma, did you need something? No, I was asleep. Thanks for waking me up. Right. Okay, sorry grandma, right? You run back. Dad, Dad grandma, what do you need? You, are you playing a joke on me? Right? Finally, Samuel or Eli realizes that God is the one calling Samuel. So what does he tell Samuel to reply with? Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. It wasn't just this passive. It wasn't just solitude, right? There is solitude alone at night at the end of the day in your bed. There was that solitude. But it wasn't just the solitude. He had to be actively doing something. He had to be listening. How often is this us? How many times is our father trying to get our attention, but we're distracted, right? The things of this world drown him out. Or we expect that we're being called by someone else, Right? When we go into this time and place of solitude, are you listening like you expect to hear the voice of God? Or are you listening like you expect to hear silence? When you start to hear from God's voice, when you know that it's God, when you recognize, are you running to that place every time he speaks of solitude, saying, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. I am here, I am alone, I am ready, I am yours. Or when you start to hear the voice of the Lord, do you surround yourself with other things? You're like, oh, maybe it was grandma, maybe it was the news, maybe it was my friends, maybe it was my boss, maybe it was every other thing in this world that surrounds me instead of God. Are we surrounding ourselves with the Father, expecting to hear his voice, or are we surrounding ourselves with the things of this world and still expecting to hear his voice? God is calling for his people and he wants to be the only voice that is speaking to us. So are we listening to him or the world? The great thing about God is he doesn't just speak to us one way. There are times where I sit and I go, Speak, Lord, for your servant listens. And I don't hear anything. That doesn't mean that I should stop listening. Sometimes God's saying, I gave you a message, you better get on it. Sometimes God's saying, wait on me. Your strength will rise as you wait upon the Lord. Sometimes God is saying, dive into my word. This is the third thing, is we have to purposefully study the words of God. Look at Jesus. He responded every single time to that internal noise and distraction, the temptation of the devil, with the word of God. He knew the words that proceeded from the mouth of the Father. Right, we have that, in, that, that solitude, and we also listen to the voice of God, but we must also purposefully study his words. In this way, just as we are trying to flee from the world and its noise, flee from the voices that are clamoring for our attention, We must flee from media that tries to tell us how we are to live. Now, I enjoy the news, and I like to know the things that are happening all over the country and all over the world. I listen to a lot of news. But the older I get, the more I have to take purposeful breaks from the news, from media, from Facebook. It's so distracting and frustrating and disappointing, listening to the way that news is reported to the way that people treat each other, to the division that we have. I can't even watch, you know, like growing up, I was never a huge sports fan. But we always watched football. I, you know, I'm probably going to get kicked for this later, but go Seahawks. Um, (laughs) Right, I was always, always a Seahawks fan. But there came a point where it's like, I can't even watch sports anymore without somebody trying to tell me how I'm supposed to live my life without somebody telling me what I'm supposed to believe or what I'm supposed to do. Right, the things that you should do that will make you happy or healthy, but none of it really matters. No matter what's going on, Psalms 119, 9 through 16, gives us the key. How can a young person maintain a pure life? By guarding it according to your instructions. With all my heart, I will seek you Do not allow me to stray from your commands. In my heart, I store up your words so that I might not sin against you. You deserve praise, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips, I proclaim all the regulations you have revealed. I rejoice in the lifestyle prescribed by your rules as if they were riches of all kinds. I will meditate on your precepts and focus on your behavior. I find delight. In your statutes, I do not forget your instructions. Think about that for a second. I find delight. How many of you guys have ever said, man, I love God's rules? (laughs) good (laughs) because that's the attitude we are called to have God thank you for the boundaries that you have set you have given me instruction for how I am to live my life and I joyfully know that you have a plan it doesn't matter what the things of the world say it doesn't matter if a man says I should live this way or that way the only thing that matters is that I serve a God who has spoken And has commanded a lifestyle. I find my joy in living the way that he has commanded me to live. That he has set for me. Knowing that he has a plan for me. A plan for purpose and a hope. A plan for good and not for evil. Guys, he has a plan for me to ultimately end up with him in heaven. God set this plan forward at the foundations of the world. God has a plan. And I need to know what it is. And I thank him that I can follow it. We have to listen to God's voice and follow his commands joyfully, for he is a good, good father who desires our benefit. But for me to follow his plan, I have to know the things that he has said. I have to listen for his voice, the kol de mama de ka, that still small voice. And to hear the still small voice, I have to be in solitude. I can't allow the things of the world to surround me. It has to be the things of God. And the last thing, all of these are the foundations, but probably the most important part of this is I have to purposefully spend time in prayer. See, the way that we combat the noise and the distractions around us, this foundation, each one of them was important. But spending time in prayer is the one that we see most clearly modeled in the life of Christ. Now, I, there was probably 30 different verses that talked about Christ going and praying. But I have these three that I really like. The first one is Mark 1, 35 through 37. Then Jesus got up early in the morning when it was still very dark and departed. And he went out to a deserted place and there he spent time in prayer. Simon and his companions searched for him. and When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. Luke five, fifteen through 16. But the news about him spread even more and large crowds were gathering together to hear him and to be healed of their illnesses. Yet Jesus himself frequently withdrew to the wilderness and prayed. Matthew 14, 23. And after he sent the crowds away, he went up to the mountains by himself to pray. And when evening came, He was there alone. Jesus knew that the things of this world would do everything they could to distract. The world is a noisy place. And so he gave us a model for how we are to live. Now, Jesus didn't just pray to get away from the noise and the distraction of the world. Jesus prayed. I mean, gosh, there was, the, there was celebration where he praised God the Father. There was the time when his friend died. And Jesus even resurrected his friend. But before his friend was resurrected, Jesus went into prayer with the Father, weeping for the loss of his friend. All right There was the time where Jesus went into the garden alone to pray with God, asking for direction. I'm thinking of Gethsemane where Jesus was saying, God, if this is your will, take this from me because I need direction. This, this burden seems too heavy. But if it's your will, I will follow through. Getting his direction from God, separating himself from the world. But in these three verses, we see it most clear that Jesus would go by himself and fellowship with God the Father. He would remove himself from noise, from the voices, from the instructions, and listen for the voice of God. See, Jesus' example wasn't just for a time and a place, but for everyone throughout all of time. We are to purposefully seek solitude. We are to purposefully listen for the voice of God. We are to purposefully study his words. And we are to purposefully spend time in prayer with the Father. I felt God speaking this calling to me as I was living how I normally live. See, normally I I wake up. I'm, I'm, you know, to some of you I'm a late riser. To some of you I'm an early riser. I get up about 6 o'clock in the morning. And I get up. And I get a shower, and normally while I'm in the shower, I've got a a news podcast going, right? I listen to uh, maybe the Daily Wire or the New York Times Good Morning or, you know, just something to, uh, just just news, not opinion, just what happened in the world while I was sleeping. And then, uh, you know, I'll get breakfast and I'll be talking with my wife, and then we always sit down in the morning and do devotions together, and that's great. But it's not a time of directed prayer and solitude and quiet. It's it's devotions together, and we discuss what do we feel like God has for us. What are we learning? And and there's a lot of talking involved. And then I go off to work. And during work, I'm heading out, listening to uh, books and more news or music. I'm having conversations. I'm building relationships. I'm busy, 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 listening, listening, listening. Lots of content, lots of input. And by the end of the day, I've got a headache and I'm tired. And I get home. And it's like, okay, I need to decompress. Um, you know, we'll, we'll have dinner and I spend time with my wife and then as we're getting ready for bed, I'll either read a book or we'll watch an episode of MASH or Star Trek The Next Generation or, uh, you know, we'll, we'll play a game or just something softly, quietly, and, and then we'll go to bed. And I really felt God convicting me. Are you listening for my voice? You have filled up your day with volume. It's noisy. It's so noisy you get a headache in the evening. Are you listening for my voice? Have you set aside time, solitude, silence, where you purposefully listen? Are you spending deep time in prayer and then expecting to hear an answer? Or is it a perfunctory... God, help this food to nourish our bodies. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God, I I pray that you'll bless this day, bless my wife. Are you just going through the motions or are you building fellowship and relationship? Are you so surrounded by the things of this world, by the distractions and the noise that you can hear my voice or not? See, God desires to be the counter to the noise and the distraction. He wants my undivided attention. And this was his challenge for me, but it's also his challenge to the church. Let that be your challenge this week. Look at your life. When the things of life start to press around, when you're feeling overwhelmed like you can't walk another step, don't turn to decompressing, playing a game, scrolling through Facebook, listening to music. Seek silence. Seek solitude with God. All right, if you have to, go to a closet And be purposeful about it. Set aside time every single day. Five minutes, ten minutes, fifteen minutes. To set aside time for God. If you have to set it in your phone as a reminder, set it in your phone. And then when it goes off, you turn your phone off, you leave it on the bed, and you go hide in your closet so your kids can't find you. And spend some alone time with God. Are you listening for his voice? Make sure you have that solitude and silence. Take a Bible with you, a real physical Bible, so you don't have notifications dinging and popping up and and making you distracted every step of the way. If you don't have a real physical Bible, come to the church here. I bet you a dollar we can print out some, some scripture pages for you. If you can't make it here, come and find me after church, and I will make sure you have a Bible, a real physical Bible that you can take home and study the word of God in solitude, listening for his voice and then spend that time in prayer as you do this the things of this world will fade right the stress and anxiety will lift you will walk closer with the lord he desires relationship this morning he desires relationship with all of the people that are in his family he is the still small voice are you listening As the worship team comes up, I just want to remind you guys, in those quiet moments, I want you to remember this song. It was a song that became my quiet place when I was struggling. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace.